It's time to talk sports. It's Hacksaw's Headlines. A panorama of the world of sports. Stories, comments, and opinions. Now, here's iconic sports talk show host Lee Hacksaw Hamilton and co-host John Riley. Who wants to talk sports on a Thursday? We do. From our Dixaline Lumber and Home Center studios in San Diego, it's Hacksaw's Headlines. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, along with my co-host, the venerable John Riley, and we welcome you back to our weekly podcast. We have a ton of topics on the table to talk about. Our podcast is brought to you by Dixaline Lumber and Home Center stores, nine locations to serve you in San Diego. You got building plans for some time this winter into 2024 your new best friend is a dixie line lumber before we get started full disclosure we welcome you back we have been gone on hiatus for a couple of weeks i had an eye procedure john was with the rich and famous on a boat <laughs> cruise we had no connectivity despite the fact he spent a million dollars to take this luxury liner he had no connectivity we tried so hard to do a podcast on the road it did not work out we are back we're ready to roll we got a ton of topics on the table and john before we start a how was your vacation and b tell everybody how they can join our insiders group okay well thanks lee it's good to be back um i know we've all both been chomping at the bit i was i was actually on a caribbean cruise and if you've ever been on a cruise ship the internet stinks and it's not conducive to doing a live stream so we were kind of on a break but you know it's holiday season and everything but we're glad to be back hey if you want to get involved in lee hacksaw's hamilton's insiders group man this thing's blowing up lee we're building the mailing list go to leehacksawhamilton.com sign up and we're, we'll send you information about the best 15 minutes of sports. Plus, we've got a lot of great things cooked up for 2024 to be announced. And a reminder, if you like what we're doing, we asked you to subscribe and we asked you to share. Therefore, you will get the notifications every time we put something up and we do it a lot with our YouTube channel. And if you like sports, you need to sample my website. That's the address right across the top. LeeHacksawHamilton.com. I run a ton of stuff every day. Day, you won't get what I give you anywhere else. John, topic one. While you were gone, it happened. It happened. Yeah. I mean, we have a little bit of catching up to do with the news, but we have to talk about this Juan Soto deal. I thought going into the winter baseball meetings, it was a twofold question. Would you be a better team if you kept Juan Soto and this batting order together because these guys are going to bounce back? Or would you be a better team if you traded Juan Soto, got the financial relief you needed, and then could reinvest to go fill the other holes? Tough call. Padres' hand was forced. They trade Juan Soto. He goes to the New York Yankees. You tell me. Salary dump or win-win for both sides. They had to cut the payroll. My big question Did they get the right players? I think not. Hmm. If you look at the Yankee roster at the end of the season, their top young players at Yankee Stadium were young pitcher Clark Schmidt, power-hitting outfielder Jason Dominguez, second baseman, third baseman, power-hitter Gleyber Torres, and two hot minor leaguers, Osvaldo Peraza, a second baseman, and Ev Pereira, an outfielder. They did not get any of the top young players at the top of the Yankee roster in the final week of the season. 
Now, they did get a pretty good starting pitcher in Michael King. Record wasn't great. They had a 2.48 ERA, which to me is a really impressive number. They got, I think, a really good pitcher, Drew Thorpe, 14-2 and last year. Lower minors. Might be a year and a half to two years away. Not a power pitcher, but a very crafty pitcher. They got Johnny Brito, who was a part-time starter, part-time reliever with the Yankees. Randy Vasquez, who had a 2-2 two and two record with a decent ERA coming out of the bullpen. And journeyman, 33-year-old catcher, Kyle Higashawa. John, in essence, they traded an MVP like Juan Soto. And they only got one established starter in Michael King, one hot prospect in Drew Thorpe. Now, granted, they also created $38 million in budget space by moving Soto's contract and Trent Gershom's contract. I'm told they're bidding on Shoto Imanaga, the Japanese left-handed pitcher, but the price tag on all pitching has gone up. They need one established starter, if not two. They need at least a couple of setup relievers. They need a left fielder. They need a center fielder. They got $58 million in budget space. Lost out on the bidding for Jung-Hoo Lee, who went to the San Francisco Giants. I don't get the sense they're willing to pay an exorbitant price to go get Corbin Burns on the trade front. Shane Bieber is still in Cleveland for some odd reason. Price tag on Dylan Cease of the White Sox has gone up. And, of course, there is no Nick Martinez gone to Cincinnati. There is no Seth Lugo gone to the Royals. There is no Luis Garcia. He's gone to the Angels. And we're waiting for the last shoe to fall, which would be the loss of the other starting pitcher, Michael Waka. And, of course, we're waiting for Snell and Hayter to vacate the premises. So spin back. I threw a lot at you as you're offloading the luggage from the cruise ship you were on. (laughs) Salary dump or win-win? I just listed who I would have gone after as compared to who the Padres got. Did they get enough? John, the floor is yours. This whole thing sucks. I mean, imagine the excitement we had at Fans Fest, you know, like 11 months ago at Petco and the Fab Four. And man, we were going to rock and roll and everything has gone sideways here. I hate trading Soto, this Hall of Fame talent in the prime of his career. Um I was hoping there was a way to keep him because I thought if they keep him, these guys are all going to bounce back. Now, the part that I don't, you know, I don't have all the inside information, you probably do, about the the dollars, the debt ratio. Are they being for, is their hand being forced to cut spending by the league or is that by the ownership group? And does the passing of our beloved Peter Seidler play a role in this? Because I agree with you. I don't think they got value in return. They got a bunch of maybes and then a couple of reaches, um, you know, for a Hall of Fame talent. I mean, this is this is really shocking. And there's all these holes on the roster and maybe no money to fill them. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) Period exclamation point. End of argument. Hand was forced, forced by Major League Baseball because they had to get in compliance with the luxury tax thresholds hand forced by, I think, ownership that looked at the amount of money, the volume of money that was spent, hyphen, sometimes wasted by A.J. Preller, and they've reeled him back in. This is the structure of how you're going to operate. This is the amount of money you got in the box. You better go get it done. I just don't think they got the right players in the transaction. Now, had they kept Juan Soto, the reality was they would have had about $25 million to fill all the other holes. 
<laughs> That's a big issue. Right. But you'd have less holes to fill if you had kept the center fielder and the left fielder. Could you have gotten quality pitching for the $28 million that was left? One starter, two starters, two relievers? Probably not. But A.J. Preller created the situation. The situation might eat him alive. This turns out to be a crap season this coming season. I think there are going to be a lot of heads to roll, and his might be the first. Is he a wizard? Has he been a Houdini? Has he done a lot of unique things to get players with his boots-on-the-ground philosophy, every scout, every corner of the world? Yeah. He's going to have to work some magic now because the price on pitching has gone through the ceiling. He can't, should not, damn, you better not trade any of these prospects at AA and Class A. Mm-hmm. So that's where we are right now. End of the day, Michael King will be a starter. Tharp will be delivered a year, a year and a half from now. They got Robbie Snelling coming within a year to a year and a half. But they didn't get enough. Not for an MVP no, guy. No. <laughs> so that's where I am. I'm really I'm disappointed. I don't know if they were dealing from a, a power strength or they were dealing from a disadvantage because of all the things that were happening around A.J. Preller. Well, isn't it interesting that Preller, you know, kind of made a reach to get Seth Lugo, who was a question mark if he could start, and then he had a great season, and now he's too expensive. Same thing with Waka. And same thing with Waka. He was same coming thing with Martinez. Exactly. So you have to give Preller credit for that. But, you know, they've probably got a whiteboard with their depth chart looking out three or four seasons in the future, and they probably saw all these holes coming. I just feel awful that Seidler put all of his chips in the table knowing that he was probably near the end of his life. And these guys blew the opportunity. Um, so now they're going to have to figure out a way to restructure it. But with all those other big contracts, Preller doesn't have much wiggle room. I confirm it. Every aspect that you've said for the first time in your life, broadcasting <laughs> from left field, you are right, John okay. Riley. Okay, let's go from topic one, San Diego, to topic two. Okay. Dodger Stadium. Yeah. So again, playing a little catch up here. Otani to the Dodgers for seven hundred million dollars. I mean, there's a lot of controversy with this contract. I don't know if it's controversy because the Dodgers did not do anything illegal. Deferred contracts. There's a structure of rules that you have to operate by. Padres have deferred contract money. Some to Fernando Tatis, I believe. Some to Bogarts. Maybe some to Manny Machado. There is a structure of how you handle. The deferred contract payments and how much it accounts year by year to the luxury tax. So the Dodgers use creative financing. Now, I was flabbergasted. I'd been told by one of the agents that I deal with that the price tag was four hundred million deferred. And then the agent confirmed it was six hundred and eighty million out of the <laughs> seven hundred million. Right. I was just floored by that. But that, that that's not free money. The Dodgers, A, will owe him all this money starting in 2034 when his career is probably over. He agreed not to take any interest in the deferral. But as part of the formula, the Dodgers have to put a certain percentage of each guaranteed year into a reserve fund that they can't touch. Hmm. It's like, I want to say it's 5 to 8% of each year salary that he'll be getting goes into a reserve fund. 
cannot be used for anything else. So it's not like the Dodgers get him dirt-free, $2 million per season, for the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. They will have to make a payment every year into the reserve fund based on the contract that he's getting, $70 million per season. So that that's the complexities there. I was told five teams made uh, proposed contracts. They presented the same deferral thing to each of the teams. I was told two to three of the teams said no. I was told that Toronto had offered $600 million. At the last day, the Dodgers took it up to $700 million because they knew what the structure would be and they could afford to pay that money out. And again, the deferred money does not come till 2034 and runs for a decade after that. They also gave Otani the freedom to continue to use the structure he used while with the Angels. His own set of doctors, his own training regimen, his regimen to rehab, although he will use the Dodger doctors as part of the rehab because the Dodgers do have a good history of helping guys rehab. Uh, The Dodgers owe not just Otani, they owe Freddie Freeman, $57 deferred. They owe... Mookie Betts, $115 million deferred. So the Dodgers will continue to pay into that reserve fund for three players going forward. And all this, the Dodgers payroll, as of this afternoon, as we're doing our Thursday podcast, is $181 million creative (laughs) financing. Yeah. They they got rid of a a bunch of contracts. Mm -hmm. Otani gave them deferral. They still have about $53 million to use to go get more pitching. And that might be Yash Yamamoto, who they met with for four hours at Dodger Stadium at the end of the week. By the way, all the Dodger stars were part of that roundtable. Right on. Otani was there. Freeman was there. Betts was there. Kershaw did a conference call. So the Dodgers still have a fair amount of money and budget space to go get a frontline starter. So now the question, did the Dodgers win the bidding war for Yamamoto, and that completes their offseason, or did the Dodgers go somewhere else, make a trade for Dylan Cease, or do something with Tyler Glasnow and a big trade with Tampa that might now also involve Randy Rosarina, a much bigger deal? So I'm kind of fascinated with what they did and kind of looking forward to seeing what the next domino to fall looks like. Yeah, this is amazing how this is all going down. Well, first of all, I I don't blame the Dodgers at all. They're creative. They figured out a way to do this. We knew that Otani to L.A. was the most likely landing spot for him. Um, There was a couple of things about this that kind of irked me a bit. Number one is is that this deferral compensation, which sounds interesting, is a little bit like Bobby Bonilla, right? <laughs> um, but didn't the Padres offer something similar to Aaron Judge? And and wasn't that sort of looked frowned upon either by sports writers or by the league? And then the second part of it is, isn't it weird how when the Padres make a big spending spree to get Machado, to get Bogarts, to, to get all these big name players. Everyone says it's bad for baseball, but when the Dodgers get Otani, they say it's good for baseball. Superstar goes to a super franchise. That's item one. Big market baseball is what drives TV ratings, etc. So baseball's perspective, that's a positive. I don't know that the condemnation of Seidler and the Padres' way of doing business was anything more than questioning sustainability in a small market. Hmm. Los Angeles's market, Yankees' market, 
much different sized markets right. in terms of ability to draw. We have 3.5 million here to draw. That's all we're getting. Mm-hmm. Whether they're Padre fans or it's displaced pirate fan coming to see his team, that's it, 3.5 mil. Can you generate the kind of revenue you need to generate to support the wildly long contracts that Preller gave out to every one of his guys? So that's a big issue. I don't know that it was so much a condemnation of Seidler, what the hell are you doing, as it is the word sustainability. And, of course, the Padre people got all peeved that anybody nationally would question their ability to sustain what they did. Well, one year later, here we are. What's the answer? Not sustainable. Well, but that's not because the do- the Padres have a cash flow problem. I mean, it's because the the debt the debt ratio thing that the Major League Baseball is condemning them for. You know, and then yeah, the Padres took out that short term loan, but teams do that all the time. Yep. You know, that's not that that's not an indication of any sort of crisis. So I don't know. I mean, Otani the Dodgers sort of seemed inevitable. You know, good on them for this creative financing, but maybe when they do the next collective bargaining agreement, this sort of thing may be addressed. Needs to be addressed further. Uh, do we want to circle back to the topic we talked about two months ago about salary cap, luxury tax, Florida spending, which makes baseball a better sport for right. people in Kansas City and Detroit, Pittsburgh, the Yankees and Angels and Dodgers, and they're going to do what they're going to do. Baseball has to get make the competitive balance better in all of baseball. So now that all the goodwill you had on your Caribbean cruise has gone out the door, now you're eternally pissed. <laughs> Are you more upset that the Padres didn't get the right package for Soto, or are you more upset at the whole funding deal the Dodgers executed to get Showtime? No, I mean, I'm I'm good with the Dodgers, their creativity. I mean, tip of the hat to Friedman and his guys for putting that together, and Otani for, for, for suggesting the idea. I mean, it may turn out to be a boon for him. I mean, obviously, the time-money thing is not going to be as valuable down the road, but I, I, I mean— I don't want. I, I think the Dodgers are probably still not going to be a guaranteed lock. They're still going to have the Dodger curse and Dave Roberts and all that other stuff to deal with. And Otani can't pitch. But I am still kind of rubbed the wrong way by the whole Soto thing. I wanted to keep him. Um, and if their hand was forced, that's upsetting. But I was afraid it was going to be like the Jake Peavy trade, where you get like Clayton Richards and a bunch of maybes. And I think that's what we got. Sorry to have ruined all the good experiences you had on vacation. But topic three, at least you're not an Angel fan. Oh Imagine God. what they feel in the 949 area code. Oh, I mean, it's brutal. I mean, I, I in fact, one of the couples that was, was cruising with us, they are Angel fans, hardcore Angel fans. And they knew Totani was going to leave, but they still have hope. You know, they're, they're uh, kind of faithful, just like Padre fans. Okay. Angels. The Otani era is over. Left behind, Artie Moreno, the owner, and a real substandard roster with virtually no pitching. They got $33 million that they could have used. Now now they're going to have to turn around and make some deals. How are the Angels going to fix a franchise when they don't have much to trade from their farm system? Whatever they have on the roster outside of Mike Trout is kind of negligible in terms of trade value. How do you fix this? You know, their their deals so far in the offseason, they made a trade to get a 168 hitting first baseman from the Braves, Evan White, former number <laughs> one draft pick. Made a trade to get a minor league pitcher, Tyler Thomas, who's yet to show he can do it in the show. They signed Willie Calhoun, who's been with five <laughs> different clubs to play right. in the outfield. 
And they went into the market on one-year rentals and got Luis Garcia, the ex-Padre, Adam Simber, formerly of Tampa Bay, Adam Kolarek, who's been a bunch of different places as a short-term three-batter left-handed reliever. That's that's the offseason. And you still got Artie Moreno there operating the way Artie Moreno has operated. Just to me, Angel baseball is just devastatingly bad. Yeah, it's really ugly there. But in a way, you know, if you're looking at the glass half full, that not having Otani gives them the ability to spread that money around and get like, because they need a lot of good players. Um, but this franchise just seems forever doomed. You know, they, they should be so resource rich, not just being part of L.A. market, but being in Orange County where there's so much money there. Orange County is its own market unto itself. It is. Yeah. And there's this huge money in South Orange County and along the coast there. So it's it's unbelievable that that franchise hasn't been better. Um, but who I mean, have they been talking about certain free agents? They're looking to sign like Bellinger or anyone else maybe going to Anaheim. Well, they've got money. Obviously, they got holes everywhere in their roster. Do they want to spend the money? Will they spend up to 200 million next season? I don't know. They were over the threshold last year for the first time, got under the threshold when they did the fire sale. But they just don't have very much talent. Thank goodness spring training doesn't open a week from Monday. But guys are coming off the board at a pretty quick rate now in free agency. Yeah. And unless unless there's something hidden like Blake Snell is going to be an angel, hmm. unless something like that happens, who are they going to go get that's going to be a difference maker? Because they need volumes of talent coming in the door. So that's Agreed. where we are. I will say this in closing about the Angels. Uh, Otani, people should not be angry. Uh, a lot of social media have written some really nice things about Otani. Otani responded with generous thanks for everything he experienced. So we should say thank you for the chance we got to see a generational player who, by the way, came here at a discount. He left Japan early, had to take a lower price tag, and he chose the Angels. And I will say this in summary. Otani to Dodger Stadium, I think it was a comfort zone of living in Southern California. Sure. It was, I think, in all honesty, trust of an organization that historically has treated its players great and has taken care of all of its injured pitchers. They're really ahead of the curve in terms of rehab. And I just don't think he wanted to go anywhere else in a very different venue. Could he have been a Yankee? Yeah. But could you imagine the glare of the spotlight in the Big Apple with all that media? I mean, he had a special comfort zone pitching for the Angels and how he dealt with the media. It would not have been that way at Fenway Park in New York, or if he went across the border, probably to Toronto. So the Dodgers get show high. Angels don't have any players right now. And the Padres have half a roster and no Soto. Wow. <laughs> As the world turns. <laughs> hey, we get to halftime, our Thursday podcast. We are back. Uh, glad to have you with us here on Hacksaw's Headlines. Our podcast brought to you by Dixon Line Lumber and Home Center Stores. John, I don't know what projects you got done once you get beyond Christmas week, but explain to everybody how Dixie Line Lumber becomes your best friend once we turn the calendar and we get to 2024 
and they're projects that you want to solve. Well, you know, it, it kind of depends on the time of the year, right? And now with Christmas season, a lot of people are putting up other decorations we're working on in our house. But people also put stuff in storage, you know, and they get these crates or these bins in their garage. Dixieline sells all that stuff. So, you know, the, the Christmas outdoor decorations, the storage solutions, the tools, which are obviously great, you know, gifts for dad for Christmas. Uh, there's a lot to be had there. But, you know, if you're talking about windows, doors, kitchen, bath, decking, Dixie Line's the bomb. Dixie Line Lumber, been in business for 100 years in San Diego. Nine locations to serve you. Drive over, take a walk through, talk to one of their sales representatives of what they could do for you. Fix it, build it, guarantee you will enjoy it with Dixie Line Lumber Home Center Stores. John, before we move into the second half, a couple of reminders. We have started something new as we go towards 2024. It's called Hacksaws Insiders Group. We want you to become part of our team. John explained to all of our followers on our live stream how they can join our team with the Insiders Group. Yeah, so you can get on board, be part of the team. we got a lot of really fun things that we're planning on doing in 2024, including potentially having some of the listener follower base as a guest or panelist on this podcast. We're cooking up some things. So if you want to get on the list, go to LeeHacksawHamilton.com. Go in the upper right corner. There's an orange box. Fill it in. You'll get on our email list. We're sending out the best 15 minutes in sports, Lee. I mean, that is unbelievable <laughs> data every day that's coming. So get on board at LeeHacksawHamilton.com. And a reminder, when we're done arguing with each other, I'm right, he's always wrong. When we're done... <laughs> We open it up for fans forum. John, quickly, tell the people on live stream how they joined the show at the end of the show. Oh, my God. Fans Forum, is they have all this <laughs> pent-up emotion since we've been gone. I mean, I see Raul and Pedro and Sergio and Brett and Angel and Steve and 4RXLA and who else is in there? Sergio and Willie and, oh, my God, John is in there. The list is huge. All these people want to get involved. We're going to try our best to get everyone in. Go in the live chat on Facebook or YouTube, put in your comment or question for Hacksaw, and we'll get you on board in the uh, in the Fans Forum segment at the conclusion of Hacksaw's headlines. And we invite you to subscribe so you will get the alerts every time we put something up on the YouTube channel, which is almost every day. And we want you to share. Tell your friends what we're doing with this podcast, what I'm doing with my website. And if you've got time, since we don't have any friends, Santa's not coming to our house, <laughs> give us a thumbs up or give us a five-star rating. John, we go from baseball. Let's talk NFL football. Chargers, Raiders. Oh, no. we're t Yeah, we're talking to Chargers and Rams here, but tonight's a big game. Thursday night football. Yeah. The battle of the backup quarterbacks. <laughs> Both these teams, Chargers, Raiders, are 5-8. and eight. Both these teams have lost a ton of games recently. Both these teams are 1-6 and six versus good teams. They're playing, they're playing for a high draft pick here. Who knows? Let's talk about the Chargers. Let's talk about the Rams. Chargers situation, horrific end of the year, a disappointing year for Justin Herbert, fractured index finger, right hand, surgery, gone for the year. Did you ever think, with a team led by Justin Herbert, that he would have a 30-32 and 32 career record? His team would have two offensive touchdowns in the last 11 quarters of football spanning three games. No run game. Pass protection has just completely broken down. Keenan Allen is now out. 108 receptions. He can't play Thursday night. Defensive secondary has faltered. There is no Joey Bosa. 
Khalil Mack has been playing like a maniac, 15 sacks, but there's no help around him. Do you know since John Spanos, thanks, Dad, for the job, John Spanos (laughs) and Tom Telesco joined forces, the team's composite record is 86 and 94. They have two playoff wins in 14 years with those guys calling all the shots. And Brandon Staley's 5 and 8. Brandon Staley's 24 and 24 as a head coach. And it's like he's got no answers how to move the football, no answers how to stop the other guy. This is a disaster. Meanwhile, cross town, nobody saw this coming, especially this dummy. Hell, I was the one that said, hmm, I wonder how Sean McVay would like 4-13 and 13 this year. <laughs> Boy, has he done a job coaching. Yeah. Uh, they've rebuilt this thing quickly around Matthew Stafford. Now, they've had good luck. They've hardly had any significant injuries. Offensive line has been intact the whole season, which means Matthew Stafford has been upright. Defense has gotten better and better. This tough guy running back, Kyron Williams, has turned out to be a stud. They drafted him a year ago. He lost his rookie season to injury. Man, he's a 100-yard rushing running back per game. Puka Nakua, Cooper Cup, Tyler Higbee playing really well. They have drafted and played guys who can run. Their back end, their linebackers and their secondary, pretty impressive. And their offensive line, and it's not a sexy position, this young guard, Steven Avila, he's a pretty good football player. So, John, you're sitting there looking at the demise of the Chargers and surprising rebirth of the L.A. Rams. And John Riley says, what's this final score going to be in Thursday Night Football? Like 3 nothing, 6-3, I got to believe that the, the Raiders are going to be blitzing Easton Stick mm-hmm. all night long. And that's going to be a challenge for him. But conversely, the Raiders' defense can't protect whomever they're playing at quarterback. You know, there was a theory that maybe they would sit Aiden O'Connor, the rookie from uh, Purdue, who's made a lot of mistakes, and maybe just throw Jimmy Garoppolo back in there. But it's a terrible thing to say. Why would the Raiders want to screw up the chance to get a high number one pick by trying to win a meaningless game with Jimmy Garoppolo, who they're going to let go at the end of the season? I mean, this is such a screwball Thursday night we have ahead of us. Well, this used to be, back in the day, when you were broadcasting the Chargers, this was a big-time game, and it was often featured on Monday Night Football. Um, and there's just so much you know, electricity around this old rivalry but that's all in the rearview mirror. I mean, so it's kind of a snooze fest tonight. I mean, it's I don't know what's going to be like. I'm really fascinated to watch it with you. But at the end of the day, this is an end of season game between two really bad football teams. And all these coaches could be gone by the time we've gotten to the finish line. What's your take on McVeigh? Rams, wow. Well, remember you were saying at the beginning of the year it was going to be Aaron Donald looking around for all of his teammates with name tags. You didn't know who they were. Um, this is – they're better than I thought they'd be. But, I mean, they're in that division with the Niners and the Seahawks are pretty good too. So you knew they weren't going to make the playoffs, but they are playing better than we expected. And that, that young receiver – what's his name? Puka, right? Puka Nakua. Puka Nakua. I mean, that kid's showing and stuff. So, you know, the Rams kind of on the upsurge. That's not too bad, but – What's Stafford? Do you think he's going to be around in L.A. for a number of years more? I'd say a couple more, as long as he's not getting hurt more. He's had a he's had a really good statistical season, and he's 
with all these new newbies around him, he's making plays because he's standing upright and he's staying in the games and mm-hmm. not getting hurt. Now, is Stetson Bennett is still on the team, right? Yeah, is, but is he's, he the two or the three? He's no, he's been inactive. He's been on the quote NFI illness list. Oh, and they've refused to disclose any information about what happened to him at the end of the season. Oh, weird. So I, you know, I don't know if there was a sickness, whether there's a blood disorder, because you can't hide guys. And he's mm-hmm. on the on the illness list. He's not on injured reserve. So, you know, his future will have to be staked to what he does in training camp next year. Okay, we go from NFL football. We got college football to talk about. Yeah, the Heisman Trophy was just awarded, and we were always saying it's the year of the quarterback. Really was. And I don't think anybody saw this coming. That's Jaden Daniels, LSU. Uh, he put together a mystical season. Not on a bad team, but a team that went 9-3, and three, didn't win any of the big games they had to play. Jaden Daniels had almost 5,000 total yards running and throwing. He had some games where he'd throw for 300, rush for 200. I mean, he was a one-man show. He got 503 first-place votes, which just absolutely shocked me. And the more I thought about it, he won every vote in the Deep South, and he probably won a whole pile of votes in the eastern seaboard countries. Mm-hmm. Uh he ran away from the balloting. Michael Penix, Washington Huskies, 13-0. and He finished so far back, it was staggering. And that's the thing that amazes me. Is that he got no national pub. Uh, he threw for 33 touchdowns this season. He only got 229 votes to the 503 that Jaden mm-hmm. Daniels got. And Bo Nix got virtually nothing. Bo Nix, who threw 40 touchdown passes, he got 50 first-place votes. 50! And they virtually ignored Marvin Harrison, averaged 18 yards per catch, 13 touchdown catches, Ohio State. He only got 23 votes. So I tried to analyze how the voting broke. And it was obvious to me that Daniel swept everything deep south, eastern seaboard. Small faction in the Midwest went for the Ohio State kid. And then obviously what was left, they split amongst the two quarterbacks out here. And it just then it dawned on me the reason Penix and Knicks got so many less votes. Nobody on the Eastern Seaboard watches Pac-12 football because it's really late at night. Right. Despite how good all these teams were Mm -hmm. and how electric those quarterbacks were. So I was surprised. Were you? Um, Yeah, I was. And I I remember remember percolating, talking about Daniels and thinking, who is this guy? You know, and it's an interesting because he played in community college, I think. Went to Arizona State, played a couple of years, then bailed. Yeah. So he's, you know, wasn't like a, you know, hot prospect, you know, from the start. But isn't this just another example of the arrogance of the SEC, um, the East Coast bias? You know, whether it's I don't watch them because they're late at night or they might be saying, ah, the Pac-12 is disintegrating. They're probably not that good. Um, you know, I know you have a Heisman ballot. I mean, are you allowed to disclose who you voted for? I am now that it's been announced. I voted Penix 1. I voted Bo Nix 2. Penix got my vote because he beat Oregon twice. Yeah, exactly. That's who I would have voted for. And he made a lot of plays. Whereas Bo Nix is like robo quarterback, just a, a systems guy. And I voted Jaden Daniels 3. Um, Daniels put up phenomenal numbers. But he was the only thing they had, and they just leaned on him. We might never see a 5,000-yard quarterback in college football, so he was a unique guy. But I voted for the Washington quarterback, but again, I was in the minority. Okay, we go from that to what's going on in football here in town. Yeah, there's a lot going on with San Diego State, with coaches, and even a new quarterback signing. 
Well, big story that broke in the last 24 hours. They won the recruiting battle for Danny O'Neill. He's a 6'1 quarterback from Indianapolis Cathedral. A couple of state titles back there. I asked a scout, how do you look at this kid? And he says, this kid looks like Drew Brees who can run. Because the kid is a scrambler. He makes plays. But he's only 6'1". I think he's 190. Phenomenal statistical accomplishments. No huddle offenses in high school. He walks in the front door here. That's what they're going to run. I call it Aztec Air. They're going to throw the football a lot. Dan O'Neill is going to enroll early. He graduates in December. He's going to enroll at San Diego State for courses in January. He'll be there for spring football. The kid obviously was wanted. Miami of Florida wanted him. Northwestern wanted him. He chose here because of Sean Lewis, the coach who had recruited him to Colorado. He was an early commit at CU and then backed out when he heard that Sean Lewis was leaving, and Lewis winds up landing him. So that's that's the first cornerstone to Aztec Air's new mm-hmm. offense. I, I think it's been a dreadful couple of weeks at the Aztec Athletic Center. 19 kids are in the transfer portal. The entire offensive line has gone. I don't understand why these kids reacted so quickly and decided to opt out without seeing what Sean Lewis was going to do. Anybody read his biography? Anybody talk to anybody that was at Bowling Green, at Syracuse, at Kent State, what he did? Some of the Aztec players had to see Colorado games and what Shadur Sanders did with the formations and the offense and what they did before the team fell apart at the end of the year. I'm shocked that so many Aztec players would vacate. You know, their top offensive lineman, Cade Bennett, transfers out, two-year starter here, going to TCU for his final year. It's his third school. All the younger offensive linemen that Brady Hook put on the field, force-fed them, developed, they're all in the transfer portal. Whole pile of his players defensively, uh, led by Cooper McDonald, his top linebacker, transfer portal. Guys in the secondary, Des Malone, starter, gone, just committed to Colorado. Marcellus Radcliffe, the great young freshman safety, UCLA. Wow. I'm just shocked that these kids would jump ship so quickly rather than giving Sean Lewis the opportunity to show them what he could do roster-wise. So I'm I'm disappointed. Uh, Lewis has been able to hold, I believe, 11 of the top 12 recruits that had committed to Brady Hoke. That's that's important. But he's got no offensive line, and he's lost a ton of people on the max seven defensively. He has filled his coaching vacancies. Uh, he has hired a coach from Colorado, offensive line coach, who was with him at Kent State. Uh, he's hired two defensive coaches. One's going to be a coordinator, Evan Schmidt, just coming from the University of Washington. So he's filling his staff with his guys. And a bit of a surprise, they are not going to run the defense that they ran under Rocky Long and under Brady Hoke. They're not going to run the 3-3-5. They're going to run what they call a 4-2-5. He's been a little bit slow getting commitments from the transfer portal. He's got two that I know of. One's a defensive lineman. One's an offensive lineman who's coming from North Dakota. So he's got he got a lot of road uh, to make up there. One side note, the whole Matt Ariza story is now complete. Matt Ariza 
and the woman who countersued each other for defamation have dropped the lawsuit. No financial settlement. He does not pay anything to her. Now, he's on the hook for the legal fees. He retains the right to sue her attorney for the things the attorney did defaming his character when the story broke. The attorney did a lot of stuff on social media, which was, wow, you're saying this about him? Never been arrested? So now the window opens to see if anybody will call him, bring him in for the final four weeks of the season for a tryout, or whether he'll just go into the winter and then start making visits. Uh, His agent, Joe Linta, who's based here, very upset at just... The way this whole case evolved, the rush to judgment, condemning some in the media uh, for what was written, what was said, and said that this young man lost two years of his pro football career based on false allegations and fabrications. Mm -hmm. But it's too bad. You know, I'll, I'll swing back to what I told you months and months and months ago. Since when does stupidity stop a guy from going to the NFL when you consider who's on what roster and some of the things other <laughs> yeah, guys have done. For sure. Never got charged. I think he kind of got blackballed. I do think he'll get opportunities now. But two years of his career, his life, his physical abilities have now gone off the clock. So, Okay, so that's where we are. Your comments on the Aztecs, your comments on Matariza. Well, first of all, I'm happy the Matariza thing is resolved. I mean, that was just kind of murky and dirty. And, and, you know, he was falsely accused, but he wasn't an angel that night. So He did something stupid, but since what is stupid— Stop you from going to the NFL. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm with you there. So hopefully he gets his shot, but he's a punter, so you're not sure. But going back to, to the new coach, Lewis, um, and, and the transfer portal, on one level, you think, okay, if the players are going to maybe go to UCLA or go to like some top tier school, great. Good on them. It's an opportunity for them. But I bet a lot of those guys in the transfer portal are going to end up nowhere or they're going to end up on a lower quality team, a lower tier team, because it's an unknown when you go in that transfer porter, portal. And, you know, with the track record of Lewis and his off- offense, sounds great. But then I've also heard that he had the offensive play calling duties taken away from him at Colorado. What was that about? Well, that was when Dion, because they didn't have enough offensive linemen, just couldn't configure how to protect Shadur Sanders, the kid, his son. And Shadur wound up getting a fractured back. He took so many hits because they didn't have enough offensive linemen. They didn't change the offense. And when, so they, they were, in essence, demoted Sean Lewis for the final three games of the season. Offense didn't get any better. They still got battered. Then they wound up actually losing the quarterback. So I, I think Sean Lewis is kind of a victim as Dion was looking for answers and solutions, etc. By the way, speaking of Dion, back in the transfer portal, offensive lineman, you guys, mm-hmm. let your quarterback get sacked 58 times, turn in your gear, you go to the transfer portal. He has already gotten commitments from six new offensive linemen, so he's... Bodies in, bodies out. Well, I heard Warren Sapp might be joining his staff. Is that true? possible. Yeah, I mean, if you figure he's going to be a magnet for players and coaches. I would think so, but he's not been a magnet this year. Hmm. He's not done well in the portal outside of the offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. So that's where we are. I, I just wish the kids had given Sean Lewis a little bit more time. Now, if they're kids that don't wind up going other places, he can always go back in and get some of those offensive linemen to come back. Mm-hmm. to San Diego State. But it's obvious his new coaching staff is obviously going to be new schemes. I just, I maintain 
I know his track record. I've talked to people about him. I understand what he did at all those places that he was at. All those quarterbacks put up phenomenal numbers. He rebuilt offenses. They had winning seasons at Kent State, which never had winning seasons. These kids should give this guy a chance. And for the Aztec football fans, yeah, you should make your reservations right now for Aztec Air because I, I think this is going to be fun to watch. By the way, San Diego State cut their ticket prices 20% again for the second year in a row Good. on the east side of the stadium. So, Is this the highest rated quarterback that State has ever recruited? Well, it's hard to say nationally what you know where Ryan Lindley was, who set all the records, where Kevin O'Connell was. But yeah, maybe. He was, I think he's 34th in the nation mm-hmm. as a blue chipper. He was, I think he was called a three-star. That's still not bad. For San Diego State, that's a good recruit. As one, one guy told me, he's a 6-1 version of Drew Brees who can run the football. Oh, wow. Right on. So that's where we are. Okay, we go from that. One other football story here. This is weird. Yeah, the Pac-12 Mountain West. What's the latest drama here? Well, I'll tell you what. I've never seen so many coaches leave a conference as what happened at San Diego State. Uh, Aztecs separated from Brady Hoke. Craig Bull leaves Wyoming after leading the Cowboys to six bowl games. That's one of the toughest places in the world to coach. He's gone. Jeff Tedford steps aside at Fresno State. He's got ongoing health heart issues. New Mexico hit the eject button on their coach. Boise State, of course, had fired Andy Avilos. Uh, They promoted from within. Nevada got rid of Ken Wilson, who went 4-20 over two years. We got six schools who made coaching changes. So that's strange. And then the players going into the portal. Now, San Diego State may lead the world with how many players have defected. Uh, 19 are in the portal. The biggest surprise is what happened at Boise State. Talon Green, who had been a starter for a year and a half, went into the portal and within days signed at Arkansas. And he's Hmm. gone. He had two more years, and he'd put up really good statistics at Boise. And he liked the head coach, the replacement guy. He's gone. He's gone to Arkansas. So it's it's. What a what an off season in the Mountain West Conference, and then obviously we got the Pac-12, which is now down to Pac-2, and we're waiting for the end result of the court case. There's just so much volatility in both conferences, right? You know, the Mountain West thinks they're on the rise, think they got a chance. The Pac-12 is dissolving, and everyone's kind of going sky- sideways on this thing. Um, you know, do, do you do you have hope that this potential merger is going to actually work? Do you think it's going to be a successful merge? It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Two years from now, it won't happen till the current TV contract is gone. But once that TV contract expires, all the exit fees from the conference are gone. That's good. So that means we could take six teams from the Mountain West. They jump to the Pac-2 with Oregon State, Washington State, and you have a new Pac-2. Eight conference or whatever they're because you wouldn't call have it. to take them all. You don't. You could cherry pick who you want. Exactly. And I think that's the end result. I think that's what's going to happen. But we're going to play through interlocking schedules in in 2024 and 2025. Oregon State, Washington State will play everybody in the Mountain West. Mm-hmm. So that's how they're going to fill out the schedules. And then once the TV contract expires at the end of the 25 football season. Free agency for San Diego State and everybody in the conference, and then we'll see. Who's running the Pac-2 by that point and how many they're going to take. So, 
keep that in mind. We go from football. We got basketball. We're going to try to buzz through this quickly here. Yeah, Lakers and Wembenyama was uh, like last night. Yeah, Lakers right now, as, as hard as they've tried, they've had so many nagging injuries. They're a two-man team. And we're only third of the way into the season. And if LeBron doesn't do it and AD doesn't do it, the Lakers don't win. And those guys supposedly were on a minutes limit. Well, that went out the door the second week of the season. Here's LeBron's playing 38 minutes a game. Jeez. And AD is playing possessed. But they still are just really deficient in terms of depth. Because a whole bunch of guys they brought in, we thought were going to be difference makers coming off the bench. They've all been nicked and hurt. Some of them haven't even really gotten on the court. Rumor is out there uh, that the Lakers are trying to make a trade to get Chicago guard Zach Levine. Oh. And he's a three-point shooter, and he'd be a pretty good addition. They'd have to pay, I think, a bit of a steep price to make that happen. I'll say this about the Clippers. Uh, we had huge questions. You know, could you use more than one basketball on the floor at one time? Could you make all these guys play together? Well, they jury-rigged the starting lineup a week into the season after that lousy start. And they are really hitting on all cylinders right now. Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, what James Harden has done. And Russell Westbrook decided he would go to the bench and be first guy off the bench. Now, he's not as explosive right now as he was last season when he got there. But the Clippers are starting to play well. I think they've won nine of their last 12. I've seen bad basketball, some really bad teams. I don't think I've ever seen anything like we're seeing in Detroit. The Pistons, 21 losses in a row. They were 2-1 and one to come out of the gate. Cade Cunningham and all these Jalen Duran, all these high draft picks, they were 2-1. and one. They've lost 21 games in a row. Now, I've watched two of their games on TV, and there is no energy. There is no commitment to defense. There is no toughness. It's like it's three-point shooting spree, and they're getting killed at the other end when they don't make their baskets. <laughs> and they're just terrible. And it's been tough in San Antonio, and I thought it would have been better, although they're playing really hard. Because Greg Popovich wouldn't allow them to loaf. Uh, Victor Wembanyama, he's quite a player. His game against the Lakers the other night, he hit two three-point shots at the end of the game that put San Antonio back in it, almost won it for him. He's not intimidated by the, by the size, by the brute strength of all these veteran players. He's playing well. They just don't have a lot of firepower around him. But at least there, they play hard. And the other story is this whole Draymond Green situation. Now he's been suspended indefinitely by the NBA for this flagrant forearm into the face of a Phoenix Suns player. Uh, his third ejection of the season. Now he's been suspended indefinitely. And the league and the union are meeting with Golden State's management to talk about sending him to counseling for some type of anger management counseling. He's so out of control. You know, and, and Golden State's they're not playing well at all. I think they're 5-12 and 12 in the last couple of weeks. They, they got roster problems everywhere. And now they got this social discipline issue with Draymond Green. And they might be at the end of the road because Clay Thompson can walk as a free agent. He's unhappy with the contract offer they made. They asked him to take a pay cut. Draymond Green doesn't hurt anybody with these flagrant fouls, but he hurts the team because he keeps getting suspended. And they're young draft picks that they've, thought were going to pan out have yet to pan out. So it's kind of like Steph Curry 
against the world right now, and they're not playing very well. So, John, there's a lot of basketball stuff there. Don't shoot any air balls. Give me some opinions. <laughs> well, I, I watched the Lakers-Spurs uh, game last night, and you're right. Wembenyama was I – mean, the dude was dishing and, and getting these assists, and I'm like, wow, this guy's the real deal. Um, but I remember watching that game, and, and boy, that kid McDermott, you know, from yep. Creighton, he was just getting just pummeled and banged around and just had a hell of a game. It, it was just – it was nothing was working for him. And then I'm watching um, Austin Reeves. He had a really nice game. And I looked at him, and I kept thinking, he looks like somebody. And I went, oh, he looks like Cameron, you know, Ferris Bueller's best friend from <laughs> Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I go, that's it. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, going back to Draymond, I'm a longtime Warrior fan. I used to go to the games when they had Rick Barry back in the Oakland Coliseum, Al Adels, all that. But his act's tired, man. I mean, it's just gotten to a point. You know, you, anger management counseling is not going to solve the problem. I kind of wonder if maybe they should implement a policy that if you injure a guy and put him on the disabled list for, let's just say, 15 days or whatever it is, that you get suspended for that same amount of time with no pay. Well, the the discipline based on suspensions escalates for the second incident, the third incident, it should, et cetera. Yeah. So, you know. But the Golden State's in a tough corner. Are they tired of the act? Yeah. He's hurting a team. Yeah, he yeah. Is. But if you blow him out, somebody else might pick him up in the division. And how do you help yourself if you blow him out unless you're willing to give up the whole season and say, okay, we're into total rebuild? Well, I mean, if he's not playing, if he's suspended, then what's the point of having him in the first place? Okay. So we go from hoops. Let's talk hockey very briefly. Oh, yeah. I, I caught the last end of that Ducks game, and it all slipped away at the end. Uh, who's hot? Who's not in the NHL? L.A. Kings, eleven wins in a row on the road, all-time NHL record. Holy moly! Out of the gate, eleven straight. Now they've lost a couple since that time. They got firepower everywhere across that front line. Kopitar, Kempe, Fiala, and the biggest surprise is the number one pick, Quinton Byfield, at age twenty, is scoring goals. You know he he was so overwhelmed last year. In cameo appearances at this level, he's playing really well. So the the Kings are a real deal in the Pacific Division. The Ducks have just been devastated by injuries. Uh, they had this bad stretch. They lost eight in a row. They've won only one of their last 13. They don't have Trevor Zegras, the teenage sensation. They don't have Jamie Drysdale. Uh, Leo Carlson, the number one pick from Sweden, has got seven goals, but they're not playing him every game. He's sitting out back-to-backs because they, they don't want him to get beaten down. But he's playing pretty well. But they just have so many injuries up front. They just don't have enough firepower. So as much as we thought maybe this would be a, a year in which the young guys surface, well, the young guys are all up there. They're not playing for the San Diego Gulls at this point in time. So at the, at the end of the day, this looks like it's going to be another lottery season for the Ducks to get a couple of more draft picks. I'm kind of disappointed, but you can't control. I mean, Drysdale got hurt the second game of the season, and he missed virtually all of last year with shoulder surgery. Zegras got hurt like a week after that. He's been out since early November. So it's been really tough on, on Anaheim, and they just it's tough for them to score goals. And they lost to the Islanders in a game you're referencing to give up a power play, power play goal late, and then gave up a shorthanded goal with 90 seconds yes, to go. That's what I and saw. And what was a Ducks lead turned into a Ducks defeat. 
Ah, oh, it was brutal. I mean, imagine being a sports fan in Anaheim right now. Oh. I mean, it's got to be just drudgery. <laughs> um, but 11 games on the row, 11 wins in a row on the road for the Kings. Never seen that before. But I don't think I've ever seen that in any other sport. I mean, unless you go... In- no, I go back to the Lakers' 33-game win streak. Okay. Yeah, that probably was a piece of the equation. But mm-hmm. modern day... Jeez, yeah. that, that was really impressive. We go from that. Last topic on the table is pro golf. Yeah, you cover it all, Lee. So PGA drama with LIV? Who could have seen this coming? We all believed his words over the last year and a half. I'm talking about John Rahm. PGA superstar. Denounced the LIV. Condemned the guys who jumped ship. I guess money talks, people walk. Everybody has a price. John Rahm, $450 million payday to go to the Saudi Super League after all the things he said about them and how he defended the honor of the PGA Tour. So that was a shocker. Uh, now the rumor is they're bidding on his best friend, Tony Finau. He might be the next to jump. Uh, you know, I asked the question, who is going to be left to play on the PGA Tour <laughs> if they don't get this merger deal done and they're facing a deadline? of December 31st to get this thing negotiated. Now, the Saudis have proposed a $2 billion investment in marketing to run the European side of the PGA Tour. They have also now proposed a $1 billion loyalty investment for the guys who stayed behind on the PGA Tour did not jump. Xander Shoffley, etc. But please tell me what the LIV brings to the table Aside from names, because I don't know anybody that watched LIV games on TV. I don't know anybody that's excited about LIV team play. I'm excited about the Masters. I'm excited about the British Open. Right. I'm not excited about team play, LIV. Just an absolute disaster. You know, and hey, all hats if we're going to have a PGA All-Star event versus the LPGA. That might be fun on a one-time basis. But that's not the basis of your successful tour. So LIV's got all these marquee names and nobody's watching the events because I'd much rather watch Masters and British Open. And John Raleigh says, "Money talks, right? Yeah. That's what this is all about." Shameful. I mean, you know, and so they're they're the the Saudis are buying, you know, the, essentially golf, and they're trying to corner soccer too. And you know, generally speaking, I don't have a problem with it, aside from the fact that it's the Saudi royal family is behind this, right? Mm-hmm. The ones that executed a uh, a press reporter. Um, so it's it's tricky here, and it's sad. Xander Shoffley may be all that's left in the PGA. Blood money. Yeah. It just turns my stomach when I think of that, where the money's coming from, who those people represented. Uh, you failed to mention 9-11 and the Saudi hijack. Oh, yeah, that too. So that's where we are. Hey, just a quick reminder, if you like what we're doing, want you to subscribe to what we're doing so you'll get all the bulletins when we add stuff to our YouTube channel. want you to share with all your friends, and you need to join us, Hacksaw's Insiders Group. It's free. Go to my website, LeeHacksawHamilton.com. Fill out the big orange box right in the upper right-hand side of the homepage. Get on our mailing list because we got some unique things that we're planning for 2024 if John doesn't take any more global tours <laughs> along the way. Okay. And don't forget, our podcast is brought to you by Dixon Line Lumber and Home Center Stores. Nine locations to serve you in San Diego. You can fix it. You can build it. We guarantee you will enjoy it with our friends at Dixie Line. John's friends are now joining the program. 
Here comes Fans Forum. Holy moly, we got a ton of people here. <laughs> we might be here till Saturday morning. <laughs> yeah, I think we might be. Okay, let's go to Pedro. Hey, was that Hacksaw on the MLB Network? That was Hacksaw uh, with Chris Mad Dog Russo talking Padre baseball. Uh, that was on short notice. They contacted me and said, hey, we're doing something kind of creative right now because of what happened with Otani, what happened with Soto. Would you join us? So, yeah, I did about 12 minutes with Mad Dog, and it was really fun, and we buzzed through an awful lot of angles, and they... They like it. But every once in a while, maybe a couple, three times a year, they call me and say, hey, would you come on to MLB? And, of course, Dog and I go back a long, long time. Yeah, I was going to say, he must be one of the pioneers, just like you were in sports media back in maybe the 80s and 90s, right? Mike and the Mad Dog was the star show on WFAN in New York. Mm. Uh, Mike Francesa, Chris Russo. Uh, that was like a love-hate relationship. That was old guy, young guy. It was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. They started in August of 87 at WFAN. I started in August of 87 at Extra 690 in San Diego. So we have paralleled right down on. the road. And Dog, Dog's got a great second career, what he's done on satellite radio, now obviously what he's doing on MOB. But yes, that was I. Hope you didn't <laughs> spill your coffee when you saw me on TV. Yeah. All right. Hacksaw. Uh, this is from Angel. He says, Gliber Torres would have been a great fit for the San Diego. Even with Soto traded, the Padres should be okay. They still have the bats. They, they just need healthy arms. Well, they don't have a left fielder. They don't have a center fielder. They're down at least one frontline starting pitcher, if not two. And they still have depth problems in the bullpen. So I'm not going to say they're going to be fine without... Juan Soto. I just don't think they got the right players in the deal. When you go back and if you look at the laundry list of names I gave you at the top of our podcast, those guys were all featured in the box scores the back third of the season. And they didn't get any of them. They got the next tier. Next tier might be okay, but they might not be. Yeah, I mean, again, it's a big question, but it's only one year of Soto. So it's not like we could have gotten the King's ransom for him. Um, But what do you think? Maybe what are they going to do with Jake Cronenworth? Because do you think he would pick up an outfield glove and play left? That's one of the alternatives. Uh, I don't know how they can trade him. I don't know who wants to take on that contract. The the seven-year deal kicks in now Mm -hmm. at $10 million per season. For a guy to hit two twenty nine. you know, and the other issue is, oh, you're going to trade Cronenworth? You have to pay half the salary? How is that a good use of what limited money A.J. Preller has? Exactly. No, I concur with you. I I thought the same thing drinking coffee this morning. Why not just give Cronenworth a glove? He's such an athlete who's a grinder. Maybe make him a center fielder. You go chase fly balls. Well, make Tatis will play center, don't you well, think? No, they're saying Tatis is going to be in right. Really? Yeah, but so Cronenworth might, might be a steady guy to play in one of the outfield positions, but you still got to go get more players, and how are they going to get, go get more players? Next question. Next question. Okay, let's go to Steve here. Hacksaw, what do you make of the Ducks collapsing lately? Do you think they'll be competitive or be in the draft lottery at the end of the season? Lottery, baby. I mean, you, you can't project injuries. You know, we all thought Drysdale, the defenseman, coming off the major shoulder surgery, he got hurt really early last year. He played really well his first year as a 19-year-old. Okay, star back there on the blue line, gets hurt again. Second game of the season, gone. Zegras, Zegras is so crafty, so good, gets hurt again. He's gone, and they're not disclosing the extent of the injuries, but Jamie's been down since October. Zegras has been out since, I want to say, early November. So it just they just don't have enough players around them, and, you know, San Diego goals weren't playing very well until the last week, and the goals have just kind of, 
made it come together. They went ahead, 13-game winless streak. They were just terrible. They could not score any goals. Now, some of their guys are starting to put the puck in the net, and the goals have played a little bit better hockey, but they're still in a huge hole in the standing. So, yeah, I think I think Anaheim's going to be a lottery team, and you would hope they'd have some good luck in guys who would finally get healthy because they're wasting away the career of John Gibson, the goaltender. What's your take on uh, the, the draft pick Carlson? Is he living up to expectations? Yeah, and and they're spotting him. I'm, I'm really surprised. He's not playing every night, every shift like Connor Bedard, the number one pick, is playing. He's got seven goals, though. And for a 19-year-old at this level, mm-hmm. that's pretty impressive. I mean, he's a power player. And you give him a, a, a full year in NHL weight training and diet help, if he can stay free of injuries, that's a power forward for a long time to come. So that's a really good pick. Okay, let's move on here, and let's go to John. He says, a year from now, when Soto signs with the Mets, how will you judge the trade? Well, I don't think it's a win-win trade. Uh, I'm not sure he's going to the Mets, because I don't know that the Yankees will let him go. I'm, I might be in the minority, and sometimes I am, but most times I'm not. Uh, Yankees will pay the price. There'll be some expiring contracts at Yankee Stadium. They'll pay the price to Scott Boros because they always have paid the price. It was it was interesting. I'm trying to think who made the comment about Yankee baseball. Um, that was Brian Cashman, who said a lot of strange things this offseason. He invoked a George Steinbrenner phrase. If you're a great ball player... You should be playing in New York. Yeah, right. So he invoked that <laughs> that comment as they were making yeah. the announcement about the acquisition of Soto. So uh, I, I think the Yankees, if it turns out to be Yankee-Med bidding war, so be it. But I think the Yankees paid that price to get him, and they, they gave away some talent. I didn't. I don't think they gave away a ton of talent. Uh, but the Yankees did not get him for a one-year rental. And I'll be fascinated to see, because there's a lot of public pressure and club statement pressure on Giancarlo Stanton that he needs to be in the lineup every day. Oh, yeah, yeah. He has been so banged up and so hurt. So there's a whole conditioning thing about him. But, boy, that's a pretty good batting order. Oh, yeah. Oh, geez. You got Stanton, and now you add into it Soto, and you got Judge. That's not bad. Yeah, but, you know, it's like they have their own Fab 3 or Fab 4, but who knows? You can't predict what's going to happen. I mean, I mean, look what Baltimore did last year. Um, but it is funny that they're interviewing Soto and they're all saying, hey, what do you think about staying with the Yankees? And he's playing at Coy again. Yeah, call Scott Boris. Yeah, exactly. But so, he did say one thing was really intriguing. And he didn't demean Petco Park, but he took a shot. You know, 23 of his 35 home runs were on the road, mm. not at Petco. He says, I can't wait to see the right field porch at oh, Yankee yeah. Stadium. Boom. He's going to hit some home runs. Boom. Okay, let's move on. Let's go to Dave talking about the Angels. To be fair, the Angels couldn't do any big moves until Otani signed. They have more young talent on the roster than you give them credit. Nito, Moniak from Carlsbad, high OBP, Chanel, not so bad. They've got some good young players. I concur with you. Moniak is a journeyman who's finally found his career after struggling all those years. They just don't have enough pitching. That's a big issue. Yeah, have they got? They've got four starters. They'd all be fourth or fifth guys on somebody else's club, and you're asking Patrick Sandoval to be your ace? I don't know that they have enough right now. They do have budget space, but the price of pitching has rocketed to the point that the Michael Walkers and the Nick Martinez's of the world are making $15 million a year, which to me is crazy money for a back-of-the-rotation guy. I just don't know where they're going to be able to go get more pitching. You know, Unless there's something that's hidden in that farm system, 
uh, because that two years ago they drafted 21 pitchers. All 21 of their picks were pitchers. Mm. Unless somebody is going to make this next jump, I just don't know outside of Reed Detmers that they've got an ace on that staff. And I don't even know Reed Detmers out of BYU is the ace on the staff. So we'll see. I mean, spring training does not open a week from Monday or the day after Christmas. So the Angels still have time to find a way to go get pitchers. But what what they've gotten so far doesn't excite me. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a huge question mark, but I'm, I'm rooting for Moniac, you know, the local kid, Carlsbad. I remember he was playing at, at um, was it Carlsbad or La Costa Canyon? I think it was LCC when my son was playing at Poway High. And when he was at the game, there were tons of scouts there oh, from, yeah. from not just from colleges, but from MLB teams. It was like a circus. It's a high number one pick. Well, number one overall. Didn't hit. Didn't hit. Now he got, it was strange. He bounced around and he got to Angel Stadium. And it was like a light bulb went on. And maybe that's just a maturity factor of how to approach handling major league pitching. But he played pretty well for them. So maybe maybe that's a nice free agent acquisition. But but star status? No. No, no, no. Well, we'll see what he does. He'll have the opportunity to play. Hey, here's one from Brett. The Dodgers should sign Snell and Hayter just to piss off Padre <laughs> fans even more. Well, they had a four-hour meeting with Yomamoto. Uh, and all the Dodger big hitters, and I'm not talking about the front office, I'm talking about the players, took part in that meeting and a tour. The Dodgers, I don't know if you heard this story, the Dodgers shut down Elysian Way, the road that goes into the parking lot. Hmm. They shut down their Dodger store for a whole day. No Christmas shoppers allowed up near the stadium as they were given a tour to Otani uh, for the yeah. meeting. So it's, I mean, the Dodgers, Dodgers... They could go get Yamamoto. Now, I I heard that Yamamoto's agent has asked for a 10-year deal. I don't know very many people that are given any pitcher a 10-year contract. You know, maybe I'd give him five years and an options after that. 10-year contract? I know he's only 25, but 10-year contract for a pitcher? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's funny talking about closing access to Dodger City, but isn't that stadium just the biggest pain in the butt to get in and out of? When there's traffic, yes. Oh, it's just horrible. Um, but, you know, it's kind of cool that Freeman and Mookie and, and you know even Kershaw were there to kind of grease the palms or kind of move the process along. Um, but, you know, I mean, the Dodgers are just loaded and they've got more money and they did this creative thing where the AAV is a lot different than it should be. I mean, yeah, it's a loophole, but they exploited it. The Dodgers seem to have more money than God. Yeah, they do. Um, you know, maybe <laughs> except to me, the Yankees. We'll find out. Okay, moving on down the list. This is a comment about the Matariza story. This is from Tracy. She says, stop believing women automatically. Wait until all the facts come out. Too many guys get their lives ruined based on lies. Well, I concur, although you must defend the honor of the woman. Uh, I don't think you can make a broad brush statement that you can't trust what the woman says. That's not very fair, uh, not very legitimate. You know, and the other active part to this conversation is, Ariza did something stupid. When your whole career is in front of you with this great reputation of what you accomplished as a football player, and you do something stupid because you might have been drunk at a party, and I don't care if it was consensual or not, you put yourself in a bad situation. Was it a money grab? I've talked to people that think it was nothing more than a money grab. Mm. Um, But now the lawsuit against the other four players that this woman has filed— that's still active, but the Arisa thing is not. So I, I, I think the kid 
kid got screwed. He got screwed by the NFL. When you look at the makeup of NFL rosters and how many players are on active rosters making big money who've been involved in a lot of stuff off the field, real serious stuff. Now, I grant you, gang rape is a serious thing. Consensual sex with an alleged minor, that's a stupid thing. But when you look at all the guys on NFL rosters and guys have been suspended, I mean, for the whole wide variety of things off the menu that they did, whether that's steroids or whether that's domestic abuse or whether that's guns or whether that's cocaine, they served whatever sentence and they're back in the league. This kid never got a chance and he was never, never indicted, never charged. They held it against him. He was being sued. Bad, he just got a bad end of a deal. He's gonna, he'll push this behind him. Somebody will give him an opportunity to kick. And I really believe the story will eventually go away. But it cost him two years of his career. Yeah, huge. Well, I remember the Rams had that guy that um, killed a, a woman. Leonard Little, linebacker, yeah, drunk driving drunk, death. Exactly. And he got back in the league. Um, so, uh, But isn't it interesting in society how the pendulum will swing too far one way or the other? Like for the longest time, women were being abused and raped in these cases, and no one would believe them. And they had no way to get retribution. Then the Me Too movement happened, and yep. it swung all the way the other way. And it was believe woman no matter what. Now it seems we're getting to a rational place where it's all about facts and doing the investigation and then applying justice properly. Two years? Yeah. Two years to accomplish that he wasn't guilty of anything except being a stupid senior at San Diego State? Yeah. That, that, was, that, was, that was a bummer. No doubt. We move on. We move on. Okay, here's a good one here. This is from Molly. She says, Lee Axel Hamilton, when are you going to have Scott Kaplan on the show? Two San Diego radio legends would be my ultimate Christmas gift. Well, that'd be kind of cool. You know, he's obviously doing stuff in Los Angeles. And when we do our podcast, he's on the air yelling at people in L.A. about Otani's arrival and <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, we'll have to just try to work it. And he said, well, I'll have you on my podcast. But he's he hasn't followed up on that, but uh, hey, what we're doing works here, so we'll keep doing it the way we're doing it. Glad you enjoy it. Yeah, so Kaplan, he's he's terrific. I like his show and his guys that are on his team. No accounting for bad taste. <laughs> All right, let's go to Pedro. He says, Lamont Butler, you know, San Diego State, not helping, carrying the weight with Jaden Ledee having a breakout year. Safe to say Butler is a one-shot wonder? Well, he's not playing right now through the, the first 10 games of the season as well as he played last year. Uh, you know, and then you add into that fact that, you know, Darren Trammell was hurt with a shoulder issue and he's just starting to come back. I, I think the whole thing at San Diego State, the success of their season, granted, I think Ladia is one of the best players on the West Coast. Oh, amazing. Uh, but I, I think the the growth of the season has to come from consistency from Micah Parrish. If they can get the big four to drop threes on a consistent basis, he works hard. But if he can be a scorer, complimented by Reese Waters, the Southern Cal transfer, who's played really, really well. Mm-hmm. You know, that that collection will carry them. And then ho- hopefully we're going to see Butler come back, and then obviously Trammell gets to 100% health. And by the time we get to the Mountain West Conference, once we get through the Gonzaga game on the 29th, then we'll start playing the conference games, which are critically important. Hopefully by that time, Dutcher is going to have every component locked in to their responsibility. But they played poorly. 
while you were gone drinking Puerto Rican <laughs> rum. They almost lost to UCSD, yes, which was my a alma shocker. mater, and they almost yeah. lost to Cal Irvine, right? So, and and uh, there was one other game they came real close there at the yeah. end too. So, um, but just as an aside, I can't believe that UC San Diego took the runner-up of the national championship, D1, to the final seconds of the game. Was when I went to school there in the 80s, they were Division three. 14, point, 14 minutes without a point. That's San Diego it, State. It was crazy. Minutes. Crazy. But, you know, I don't worry about Lamont Butler. He's going to be fine. His defense is great. He's a leader. He's going through a slump. It's going to come back. But Ladee, I mean, this guy is potential player of the year. I yep. mean, this guy's amazing. You agree with me, though, the parish is really the intangible one that has to score on a night-by-night basis? Yeah, and he's shown it. He's really showing it, and a lot of grit underneath the basket, too. But I I personally think it's the bench has to step up. And Jay Powell had a really good game last time. We need more of those bench players to come in, because that was the secret ingredient last year. Okay, a couple more here. Couple more. This is going to be here from Neil. What is the Pac-2 going to do with scheduling for all the other sports? Well, I think you know, in the conference they have they've not solidified what Oregon State, Washington State basketball will look like going forward. But I would assume that the Cougars and the Beavers are gonna wind up playing every team in the Mountain West once once the Pac twelve folds or goes those ten schools leave. Now maybe they'll they'll continue to schedule UCLA or USC and some of the other schools. But I, I would think there'll be a basketball alliance much like there is a football alliance. Now, it's a bit of a challenge because you're talking about scheduling a total of 32 games. Where do you go yeah. if, you, if you're not going to have 20 conference games that are going by the boards? Or will they keep that relationship with the schools on the West Coast? Maybe they will. Yeah, I mean, they got to do something. I mean, well, even like Brian Dusher says that you know uh, NCAA sports are regional, and it needs to be that way. I mean, mm-hmm. you can't be sending the women's golf team to play, you know, on the East Coast. So hopefully they'll work it out. I mean, the Mountain West merger and rescheduling that way just makes too much sense. They've got to do it that way, right? What's wrong with it? You're criticizing SC and UCLA sending a women's golf team to go play Maryland? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. College Park? And, and besides, UCLA was like so cash-strapped, and sure, they're going to get all this money for the football team, but I don't even know if the whole thing's going to pencil out. Time will tell on the rest of it. Let's see what happens with the football thing first. Okay, let's get like one or two social medias in here before we wrap it up. Hey, here's a Chargers Raiders comment. This is actually a comment from your website, Lee. People writing about your articles that you write. And this is from Chris. He says, TJ Simers penned the phrase Spanos goofs to describe the Bolts owners. They live off the goodwill of Kroenke while the San Diego market has become a wasteland. Meanwhile, Oakland has devolved into a pit of progressive politicians losing three teams. Financially, Davis has built a legend in Vegas. He has two Two WNBA championships and seems to have a clue about the future. Time will tell if these teams can rebuild. The loser on Thursday is actually the winner. Well, the winner obviously helps himself in terms of the upcoming NFL draft. I hate to say tank it, but maybe the Chargers should just tank it mm. and get high, more high picks. They need help. They need help and they need some good luck. You know, I don't know. And at the we get to the end of the season. We'll express opinions about Brandon Staley. And, you you know, people say, don't use ex- injuries as an excuse. No, but it's an explanation. You know, his quarterback has now had three major injuries in two seasons and has tried to play through it hurt. And he's not the same quarterback right now. That's an issue. 
He had one year where he lost virtually his entire offensive line. He had another year where he lost virtually all the key components on the defensive side of the football. And now his third year, his quarterback has played hurt, and now it's finally gone down with a significant injury. So those injuries may well be a piece of the equation as to why they're 24 and 24 under Brandon Staley and why they've been so, so disappointed. And I'll, I'll disagree with Chris. Mark Davis hasn't done crap to prove he's a responsible, intelligent NFL owner. Yeah, okay, so he's got the Las Vegas Aces WNBA. That doesn't mean anything in the spotlight of owning a franchise that has just been pitiful in the National Football League. And he was gifted that stadium and all this money, and they got they got a lot of work to do. I was on a Raider station talk show yesterday, and they're not happy with me in Vegas at all because I'd written some really condemning columns on my website about Mark Davis and, and the late Al Davis and what the franchise evolved into. So Chargers got issues. We'll see what happens within four weeks' time. Raiders got major issues. That junk's been going on since they were in the black hole in the Bay Area. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Mark Davis is like a cartoon character yeah. in a lot of ways. I mean, so, yeah, whoever loses this will probably be in a better better position. But, you know, I, I'll, I'll be watching the game. You're going to hang out here and watch it, right? And it'll be nice to see, you know, just how you know, it's a historic rivalry. But it's a shell of what it used to be. Plain and simple, we hope you have enjoyed our... Hacksaw's Headlines podcast brought to you by Dixon and Lumber and Home Center Store. We apologize if we went too long. We were both amped and neither one of us <laughs> drank coffee this morning. But listen, check my website, LeeHacksawHamilton.com. It's all written. We invite you to subscribe, invite you to share, want you to register to become part of Hacksaw's Insiders Group because we got some junk planned for 2024 that we think you're going to like. Hey, thanks for listening. Thank you for participating. John, good to see you back, even though your opinions are still out in left. <laughs> field. Have yourself a great sports weekend. Hey, I'm happy to be back. It's going to be a great holiday season. And we will talk to you with bonus coverage, bonus Monday. Thanks for being with us on Hacksaw's Headlines. Join us again for Hacksaw's Headlines on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. And find the audio version on your favorite podcast app. For more content, go to LeeHacksawHamilton.com.